Welcome to another edition of Marketing Murder Mystery brought to you by the Millennium Agency. With us here as usual, the lovely and talented Linda Fineris. How you doing, Linda? Good morning. And then the Rob Atkinson guy just being Rob Atkinson. Rob, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Now I know, I know that you have a lot of marketing things you want to talk about, but I have seized control of the show this episode because I have a mystery for you. Was there a murder? And the alleged victim is Peloton. Now, as those of you who listen to the podcast know, what we do is we take incidents of marketing decisions. Sometimes they're self-inflicted wounds. Sometimes they're wounds inflicted by just the circumstances beyond the marketer's control. But the real question people have about the Peloton ad, the infamous Peloton ad in which a husband gives his wife a Peloton, which is a high-end exercise machine, and the ad shows the year that she used it. So actually, it's a flashback kind of thing, and she appears today, and she's very, very happy with it. And Peloton generated a wave of negative publicity, and their stock price fell, and people declared this the biggest marketing faux pas of 2019. And so we have our two marketing crime criminal, CSI marketing here at uh, the Millennium Agency, Agency. So we'll start with you, Linda. Did Peloton commit an act of marketing murder or malfeasance? That's a great question, Michael. You know what? I do not think so. I frankly think that was a great ad. And I did not take that the same way as many others um, took that ad. Because if I was in her position, I would love to receive a Peloton for the holidays. And um, I, I didn't take offense to, the, to that at all. Rob, as a man who sometimes buy, get, buys gifts for women, would you buy a Peloton for a woman? I'd love to. I can't afford it. The thing's $2,000. I mean, it's an incredible, I mean, the ad is, you know, the problem with the ad is it, it has this beautiful woman who doesn't need to lose any weight. And the gift this year to a perfect woman is that they're giving her a Peloton bike so she can stay fit. I mean, it just kind of reeks as some type of male ad fantasy. And I think I think it just comes across wrong in a lot of different levels. Plus, I think the actress doesn't do it justice because she uses uh, these eyebrow... Uh, she, when she's presented the gift, her eyebrows go up like it's a terrible thing, you know? And it's, and it's really... It's an, it's an odd kind of visceral reaction when you watch the ad. So... I disagree with you, Linda. I, I actually think it, it actually dented the, the brand image of Peloton. Well, that's what they're saying. However, you know, you look at it from an actual marketing perspective, and they are targeting the right demographic. She's a busy mom. She has young kids. She's probably working, and she's trying to raise a family. And frankly, she probably doesn't have that much time on her own hands. So I think what Peloton was doing is really trying to carve out a space um, within that demographic that says, hey— for you know, if you if you buy a Peloton, regardless of how busy you are in your life, you can stay fit. Yes, she was in good shape, most likely, relatively good shape, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're fat, you're skinny, you're you're medium size. People should be healthy and they should stay in shape. So I have to disagree with you, Rob. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to disagree with you, Linda, because if you look at the stock, it's down 20% off its highs. It's currently trading around 32. It was around 37 when the when the campaign launched, and you know I, I'm going to tell a personal story here because I think this says it all. So the other day I was saying to my wife, "Hey, honey, do you want to go work out?" And she said, "Don't Peloton me. I'm going to get there when I get there." 
And I thought, oh, wow, it's already worked into the vocabulary of women that they're now being <laughs> shamed when I just said, hey, do you want to go work out? So, you know, it's a, you know, as you know, as a woman being, you know, told, you know, let's go work out or given a present like a Peloton, I think it's a great gift. Absolutely. And an expensive gift. I mean, like I said before, it's $2,000 and don't forget, it's got a monthly subscription fee. So not only are you paying the 2000 but you're paying every month. And I think, you know, that's a hard sell, too, for marketers to try to sell something that expensive with a monthly fee. And people are going to worry, am I going to use this thing every month? Um, but I think it, you know, ultimately it dented their brand image. Will they recover? Probably. I mean, look at, hey, you know, remember the, the Nike ad with... Uh, uh, when Nike decided to put out a sneaker with Betsy Ross flag on it, it had the 13 original stars on it. Well, Colin Kaepernick, of course, said that 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 flag represents a time when there was injustice in the world. And why are you choosing to focus on that when we could put the uh, today's flag on there? But, you know, Nike overcame that challenge. And I think we can overcome this, too, with Peloton. But I think in the short term, they definitely took a hit. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, they definitely did take a hit, <clears throat> you know, and, and the, I guess good, bad or indifferent. They've definitely raised the brand awareness of their company. So a couple things to add to the conversation. One is that Peloton's spot stock price was artificially high. They had an IPO. There was this huge surge in. They're still in that point. I forget the phrase lockdown or whatever, where you if you, the first investors have to hold the stock for so long, that period is ending. Also, their big competitor, SoulCycle, which has just had studios until now, they've announced they're going to release, in essence, a product to come compete directly with Peloton for that. I have enough money to not just buy the machine, but pay you a monthly fee to watch videos of me exercising. So there are other forces at work. That doesn't mean that there was not an impact from the stock price. But Linda, you just raised to me the key point here. Robert Shankman, uh, a PR guy, guru, said anyone who thinks that this was bad for Peloton shouldn't be in the marketing business. Nothing personal, Rob. Absolutely not. And uh, they bought, they got millions of dollars in free advertising and market awareness that they didn't have to pay for that doesn't exist. And I would add that as a person who knows nothing about exercise equipment at all, I only run if people are chasing me, I can now name a total of one brand's of any kind of exercise equipment, and that is Peloton. So how do you argue, Linda, with the idea that when you have been launched into literally, Rob, Rob makes a great point, your product is now a verb for exercising, and you're in the exercise business. Exercising, how is that? Shame. No, I understand, but shame or otherwise, name another product that people could put into that slot. I, that's the argument that the brand awareness far exceeds the annoyance that the fat shaming you know, advocates have with the company. No, I think it really, really does. I mean, I'm familiar with Peloton, but I do know a lot of a lot of women who are actually in shape that are not familiar with Peloton. And I think that this really did launch pad their brand. And I think in the long run, you will see that this will really um, impact them in a positive way because it has really put a footprint down for them and it gives them the opportunity to, you know, maybe I'll just say recover in the way that they wish they would like to recover. I mean, they could definitely come out with another series of ads that showed different types of women and different types of men and different types of scenarios that could easily overcome what they did with that. And 
My last point is, is how do we know she didn't ask for a Peloton for Christmas? The real ad that should come out next year is that she uses the bike all year and then she goes at the end of the year to her husband and she says, I want a divorce because now I'm marrying a billionaire and thanks for the Peloton. I mean, really? I mean, that's a great, that is a great ad. I love that ad. I'm hiring you right now, Rob. But I want to, I want to point out something. I think that there are two conversations going on here. And I think there's a lesson here for people who do their own marketing or in charge of marketing for their company or new to marketing. There's two things here. One is that there is a story for the whole audience. When I did talk radio, the Peloton topic was a great topic because you love topics where everyone can have an opinion and they can pull from their life experiences. And so that's just great communication is if you can connect people. So you're having a conversation about gifting, but is it also the case that Peloton is having a completely different conversation with a very narrow group of people, which is their potential consumers who are high-end, wealthy, mostly fit, I mean, Peloton's not in the, uh, what was from the movie Dodgeball, you know, uh, regular Joe's, you yeah, know, right, no, no, no. Right. That's not his, their audience. Their audience is, I have, I have serious cash. I'm at a point in my life. I can, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the, on the cusp marketing, uh, uh, exercise equipment, and they don't care what the other 97% of American thinks of their ad. Their 3% goes, that's me. I want to stay in shape. I want to push myself. I do care about those last four pounds. Forget all you people. You, you nailed it. Is it possible that both of those things are happening at the same time? And what happens when marketers start focusing on their non-audience's reaction to their marketing attempts, social media, whatever, versus their market? Yeah, no, I, I think, I think you know, the ad agency who produced the spot is Mechanism. <laughs> and it's really interesting that they haven't said a word since all this broke out. But you have to give that, you have to applaud them. Because to your point, they absolutely understand the demographic. And it is a small niche market. And it is an expensive product. Mm -hmm. And building brand awareness is, I think, they did that, right? right? But the problem is, I don't think they built, I think they hurt the brand and promoted product recognition. So people understand what the product is now and that there are competitors now. So when you go out and Google Peloton, you know, because they've taken advantage of this, the competitors now are putting their cheaper version bikes, which do essentially the same thing. I mean, it's a stationary spin bike um, with hooked up to a video feed. Right. And that now there are other companies doing that for half the price at a smaller subscription fee. So, you know, I mean, did they succeed? Yes. But I do think, though, that they, the problem was how they executed it. And because of the backlash on the other people who might be on the cusp of buying us, there might be some fear of saying, oh, I bought my wife a Peloton for Christmas. Can you imagine the talk in the office? Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. Like, I... I, I do feel strongly that the ad agency did an exceptional job determining who the demographic is, their income levels, you know, the, the type of busy moms that use this. In fact, if you actually watch some of the Peloton videos that are being presented when you're when you're on a, a bike like this, that's the demographics that's actually spinning and um, using their product. So it makes complete sense that they went about it in this way. I mean, I guess um, from my perspective, I, I think they did a really good job with that with that piece. Now, the backlash, yes. However, with that said, for that particular demographic, and let's just remember, that's who they're going after. So that's who they know is actually buying their product. 
I mean, that demographic is like, hey, do I want a Rolls Royce or do I want a Ford Focus? So Rob, from your perspective, yes, there are the, you know, half price versions and the regular spin bikes and you put it on your iPad and it works just fine. And you can probably also subscribe to Peloton, but I want a Peloton. I want that Peloton. Now I want, I want to add something because to, to me, the lesson that's here for marketing people is the mixing up the reaction from the broader public to the reaction from their target market. And this is particularly true in social media marketing because you post something on social media that you know that your 5% who are potential customers are going to love. Maybe you defend the Betsy Ross flag if it's Nike and, or you hate the Betsy Ross flag. You, you have a video of your employees burning the Betsy Ross flag. And of course, Twitterville and, and Instamuck or whatever, they all go crazy. But what do you care? And my question is, are businesses because of the current political climate where there's so much division, uh, new data came out at the end of December that shows America is more polarized by party than any time since the Wall Street Journal pollster started measuring it, that businesses simply can't afford anymore to just say, look, I don't care what everyone else says. I'm going to talk to my audience. Or is it the case that things like, are you fat shaming? Are you sensitive to LGBTQ? Are you insulting my religion? Are so powerful that you can have a net loss. Yes, you communicated to your audience, but then your audience decided your brand is so off-putting that even though they don't have a problem with what you did, they don't want to be seen by their friends as the kind of person who didn't have a problem with you. Did you see what I'm saying? Right, exactly. So what, where, what, what would your advice be to marketers who are trying to navigate this current totally climate? Totally I mean, people are looking at everything right now. I mean, I told somebody I was watching Charlie Brown Thanksgiving recently, and they said, oh, it's terrible. They made Franklin, who's the only black child on the entire show, sit on the other side of the table all by himself right. while everybody else sat on the chairs on, on the right-hand side. And I'm like, I miss that, you know? <laughs> and so people are looking at every second of television it's and true. looking for that division. But, you know, I, I would say, though, if the marketing, if the ad agency said that that was their goal to Peloton, I would applaud them. But I am sure, to your point, that they got, let's say they got $5 million worth of free publicity out of this. Great, right? No. 20% of their stock at a $1.8 billion valuation at 20% is hundreds of millions of dollars they took in a hit because of that ad. And yes, it will go up. I do believe it'll go up. But I mean, I'd rather spend the $10 million extra on advertising than to take that 20% hit on my valuation of stock. So the final question for our marketing murder mystery detectives here, was there a crime committed or was this in fact a brilliant setup that netted them a win? Linda Fineris? I think it's genius. Rob Atkinson? I think it's a crime and I think the only winner out of this is actress Monica Ruiz. She got the aviation gin ad produced by Ryan Reynolds Production Company and then she just landed a role on Bold and Beautiful. So... You know, it didn't help the company at all, but it certainly helped the actress who looked like she was being, you know, you know, held hostage and <laughs> using the Peloton all year to, <laughs> to appease her mean husband. Right. And as usual, Linda Fineris is right. More of the Marketing Murder Mystery podcast coming up. So it's the end of 2019 and some ads have been so 
compelling and uh, engaging that the marketing murder mystery detectives have seized upon them. Linda Fineris, you have a favorite ad. What is it and why do you like it? I do. Have you two seen the StubHub Christmas ad with the family that's sitting on the couch? It's a family of four and they have all their jammies, flannel jammies on and and the father is giving a gift to his wife and he's he's actually giving a gift to himself as well. And his wife opens up this gift of this completely ugly, huge vase with a big script M on it. And the husband opens up his gift and he goes, StubHub gift cards? And he was so excited. She was so pissed. She stood up and she took that vase and she smashed it on the ground and ran out of the room. And everybody's like, what just happened? StubHub gift card. Seriously? It was an awesome commercial. I love it. So what do you love about it from a marketing standpoint, other than the fact that this obviously resonates with a personal gift incident in your life? It's, you know, I know it's just like, it has so, it has happened to me, you know, so many times it's, it's not even funny. So it's just, I just think it's a riot because the, you know, and you want to talk about like Peloton, for example, you have a mother who's probably purchased all the gifts on behalf of the children, all the gifts on behalf of herself, all the gifts on everybody's behalf. And she gets this lousy, lousy vase <laughs> and the husband gets these great StubHub gift cards. I mean, really? And you know, Rob, that raises the uh, issue, I think, in the Peloton ad. If the ad had been the woman buying it for herself and then looking back over the year, it'd be very different. That's why I think there are two conversations on that. Ads, uh, 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 at marketing versus gift giving. Yeah. Terrible, good marketing, terrible gift giving. Is there an ad that you currently find compelling? I, I don't have a real ad for you, but I wish this ad was true. I don't know if you guys saw Saturday Night Live recently, but they had an ad for Macy's. And for your little ones, Macy's has the festive fashions that'll have them saying, It's too was the gift-giving season. And part of the gift-giving season is you have to dress your kids so they're picture-perfect for the portraits. And the kids are dressed up in their new button-down shirts and the girls are in their black Mary Jane shoes. And of course, all the kids hate it. They're scratchy, they're itchy, the tag is jabbing into their back, the girl is screaming, my feet hurt. The mom says, now you know how I feel every day. And it was just this perfect ad where I wish Macy did put out that because I would say, yeah, you're right, I'm totally by that. You're right, sorry kid, you're gonna do it. I mean, it's just so honest that we feel like we need to dress up our kids and they absolutely hate it. And with, you know, any kid with any type of um, issue will talk totally have a problem with the tags, oh the God, stiff yeah. shirts, the, all of that, the, the scratchy pants. Uh, it was just perfect. That's good. I wish it was real because it, they'd probably sell a ton of product because people would just appreciate the honesty and authenticity of the, of the spot. Was a guy who's had to do ads for less than exciting products in the past, including insurance. It's, I can't believe that the best ad on TV right now is an insurance ad for Liberty Mutual. No, it's not the one with the stupid emu in it, which is only there because it's spelled Liberty Mutual. It's a, it's a mnemonic device. No, it's the ad with the out-of-work actor who's supposed to deliver one line. You know, Liberty Mutual crafts your insurance so that you only pay for what you need. And he blows it. He can't do it. A Liberty Butchamode. Cut. Liberty Mutual. Line. Cut. Liberty. Am I allowed to riff? What if I come out of the water? Liberty Bibbity. Cut.
And what's great about it is, and this goes back to one of your points, Linda, which is your marketing, you need to be focused like a laser beam on what is the one thing you want people to know when they're done. And so the way they set it up with the dubbing at the end, the, the dub ends and the, he keeps talking because it's not synchronized. So they say the phrase, you only pay for what you need twice at the end. So it's, it's funny because it's some screw up, but it's also hammering away the point. So I got to give Liberty Mutual 100 points on that one. I agree. I think they did a really good job with that. Um, and I have to say, they I mean, that's the key, right? We have so much information coming at us at once. It's hard to really get a message across. So why not just hammer home that message? Yeah, and Linda's really good about that. We do that with our clients, too, and making sure that if there's a website that we say in a radio copy, that we try to work it into a copy like two or three times in a 30-second copy because people don't remember it, but you just have to hammer it home. Which brings us to our Marketing 101 tip, which we try to have in every podcast for people who are new to marketing or you've suddenly had the marketing part of your business foist on you by your boss, or maybe you're a one-person business. you got to do your own marketing. And because of the holidays, uh, Linda... The issue has uh, popped up of scheduling. What would you say to people who are planning their Christmas ads now or, you know, at the beginning of December or after Thanksgiving? Yeah, that's not, that's a great question. So if they're planning their Christmas ads now, they're probably in big trouble. <laughs> what they should be doing right now, and I would just say even a month ago at least, is planning their 2020 calendar for their marketing strategy. So how do you do it? What's How do you do your, your thinking ahead so that you, when Mother's Day rolls around or Fourth of July or whatever your business's you know, hot point is or angle is, how do you do that? Yeah, so let's just say it's Mother's Day that's coming up and we have to launch a special campaign for Mother's Day. We have to work backwards with something like that. So we need to know what we're doing for the campaign strategy. So it might include social media and digital ads. It may even include some print ads and flyers and so on and so forth. So that tactic or that that campaign has to be planned early on. So when it comes time to actually execute that campaign, you know what you're not you know what you're doing. You you're not scrambling. So it's important to make sure you flush those details out as far in advance as you possibly can. Rob, what to you, if, if you're, let's say that our big sales point is Valentine's Day. Yeah. What's, a, what's the lead time that a smart marketing person will well, build in for that? Think of it like this too. If you want editorial content placed in a magazine, if you have some special tie-in, those editorial calendars are made out almost six months in advance. So if you go to some, your local newspaper or you know, a favorite magazine that works in your industry uh, and say, oh, I've got this great gift idea for next month, you're, you're already missed it. So you've got to be working three to six months uh, in advance to make sure that you're planning for a big events um, that you want to capitalize so on. So we want everyone to make a Marketing 101 resolution, whatever your role is in marketing, get out your calendar now. Highlight your sales moments of the year. You know when your business gets hot and when it gets not and mark those dates and start working backwards to get your marketing done, right? That's right. That's it. And if you don't do it, Linda will find you and she will punish you. She will force you onto a Peloton until you can't go anymore. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Marketing Murder Mystery brought to you by the Millennium Agency. And if you enjoyed what you heard, learned something, would like to learn more, want some help with some marketing, go to mill.agency. I'm your host, Michael Graham.